The Compliance Perspectives podcast is sponsored by Entrax, the contract lifecycle management solution that is exclusively focused on healthcare. Learn more at www.entrax.com. Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Marina Del Rey, California is W. Bruce Cameron. Bruce is the author of the book, Love Clancy, Diary of a Good Dog, of Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter and a whole host of others books. Uh, his novel, A Dog's Purpose, spent 63 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list and was turned into a very popular movie. Bruce, thank you for taking time away from your writing and your dog, Tucker, to talk to us. It's my pleasure. And honestly, Tucker doesn't believe I'm taking time away from him. He can hear me. He can smell me. He knows I'm here. And so he's fine with this. That's great. My guilt is assuaged. So I'd love to talk about some of your work and sort of a different angle probably than you talk, which is sort of the you know, rules and ethics and all of those kinds of things. And I want to start with, you know, your essay, which became a book and then a TV series, Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter, you know, where you basically set up a bit of a compliance program for teenage boys. Um, I'm curious, you know, did the boys like knowing the rules? Did your daughter like knowing what the boundaries were or, or, or were you up against resistance all the way? Oh, it was, it was as, yeah, no, it was as if I was the, uh, the, the despot and I was running the country into the ground and they were the rebels. <laughs> I mean, they, they, as far, they, they saw themselves on the, on the side of freedom and righteousness and were not at all happy that I thought that they should be obeying rules. And I mean, I basically had two forms. I had two daughters, two teenage daughters, and they, they had different ways of going about it, my older daughter uh, would get right in my face and tell me she's not going to do this because it's wrong. And she would, you know, it was basically, you can't make me. And then, uh, you know, I would point out to her that, it, that I had established what the consequences of her actions would be. And if she was willing to uh, take on those consequences, she was more than welcome to disobey. And uh, that didn't sit well with her. The other one was the stealth. The other daughter was the stealth uh, rebel. She would act all sweet and nice and not tell me what she was trying to get away with. So there were just two different ways of handling their rebellion, but neither one of them wanted to be in compliance at all. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that is the teen way. And I think the range of experiences you had mirrors what a lot of people face in the workplace from those who say, no, you, you know, you're just trying to ruin the business and you're in my way versus those who say, uh-huh, and do what they want. And of course, the quiet ones who, who follow the rules. Now, you obviously yes. struck quite a nerve there. And I'm guessing not just with your daughters, but with parents all over the country. Um, and I'm just curious, why do you think people, you know, the parents like the rules in one area, not the other, as much as they might have liked knowing there were these rules for their daughter, people don't like being told what to do. Is it one of those things where just human nature is I'm all for rules as long as I don't have to follow them? <laughs> uh, 
yeah, the, the I think the the clash comes from the fact that the uh, parents have to recognize that they are gradually going to lose complete control over their children. That's called growing up. It's inevitable, but it all, but it goes against our every instinct. Uh, we we feel like things will just go better if they just do everything we tell them our way, uh, and that you know that you can point out that. Uh, managers who do that will inevitably uh, reduce the effectiveness of their employees that there there really isn't any any instance in the human world where getting hundred uh, percent compliance will make things go go really well there, there's always got to be room for human expression in my opinion art you have to be able to let people have the freedom to make mistakes uh, so so parents are comforted with the idea that they're going to come up with a list of rules and that's their, they've established control. And then of course they kind of go bonkers when they realize that nobody's paying attention to the rules. <laughs> and it's a, it's a no win situation for anybody. Yeah. Which I, I think part of it, both in parents, workplace, whatever, is getting people not to just feel as if the rules are imposed, but start seeing value in them and, and sort of, and, and taking ownership of them as well. And, recognizing yes, that yes. there's protection for themselves there. The one thing I did for my daughters was I gave them the excuse to say, oh, I can't do that. My dad would kill me. Mm -hmm. And uh, being able to say that uh, truthfully, I, I'm hoping occasionally got them out of some situation that they weren't comfortable in. Mm -hmm. And we should establish for the record, you and your daughters do talk to each other and stuff all these years later. Yeah. So, uh, the the one who is always in my face is a police officer now, and wow. the one who uh, was uh, stealthy and sneaky is the CFO of a company. So they they they, they sort of made their own way based on those initial traits. Wow, that's interesting, and uh, we could spend hours talking about stealthy uh, CFOs. But instead, let's switch gears and talk about your recent work. You really uh, struck a very popular chord with your novels featuring dogs. W what is it we love so much about dogs, and wh why do they mean so much to us? Well, uh, dogs are absolutely dedicated to us. And we have uh, we've done that to them uh, deliberately. We raise we raise dogs to be uh, our tools. Is how they started. They started out you know helping us farm and uh, gradually moved inside and became pets and slept on our side of the bed. But it, it took a it took a long time for that to happen. We just you know there's just something about coming home from a hard day at the office and uh, you open the door and the dog comes running up to greet you. The dog is ecstatic to see you. You might have kids and they're looking at their screens and they don't even glance up at you as you trudge by, but your dog is going to be following you, wagging, all just so happy all the time. So we just absolutely love the optimism and the joy that they they bring and they remind us that you know life is to be it, the, the whole purpose of life is to be happy and they are just irrepressibly so hmm. there definitely is something about that you know tremendous greeting that you get and the validation from it what can dogs teach us about doing right and wrong because we do spend a lot of time trying to get them to do some things and not do others yeah, it, what's really interesting is that a dog doesn't have a concept of right or wrong. 
a, a dog isn't born with the the dog is born with its instincts, uh, which have been handed down through generations, and and that gives it uh, gives a dog guidance and how to behave in the world, but not from a moral perspective. And there is no right or wrong to a dog. There is rather pleasing you, pleasing a human, or displeasing the human, and that that is absolutely how they guide themselves uh, through the world. They look to us to tell them what's right and what's wrong. But they don't have a they don't have a moral code around it. I mean, they can feel they have emotions and they feel love. So there's there's other ways you could argue that they know right and wrong from a very pure standpoint. But when it comes to what we think of as right and wrong, and it, whether it's uh, don't rob the bank or don't speed through the school zone or whatever we think of as being wrong. A dog really wouldn't have that kind of reaction to something like that. It's basically what earns your favor and, and what earns displeasure. That's right. Uh, they they really want to please us. If you're if, you, if it turns out you're an evil person and you want your dog to attack people, you can train your dog to do that. I mean it. It's uh it's just it has everything to do with their uh, single-minded devotion to the person they've dedicated their life to. Which which leads into something you and I discussed briefly before this conversation started, which is dogs may not have a sense of right and wrong, but we do. And, and you believe strongly that humans have an ethical obligation to dogs um, that goes back thousands and thousands of years. Can you share some of what you told me? Oh, yeah, because, you know, there Almost every other domesticated animal uh, that that human beings have seized the control of can can make it on their own. Uh, you know, you could open the barn door and a lot of horses would be fine just foraging on their own. There are, there are house cats that that voluntarily leave uh, their homes and go out and want to live as feral cats. But you never see a like a pack of dachshunds taking down a wildebeest. <laughs> it, it's just not. We have bred out of them the ability to survive in the wild with very few exceptions. And, uh, and so we have an obligation, therefore. We, since we stripped them of a, a species' very first basic animal right, which is the right of, to, to live and, have, and be able to fend for oneself, we took that away from dogs. And we said, no, we'll take care of it. And, and so now we have to. And uh, the, the people in this world who don't seem to understand that formula don't have a sense of moral obligation to dogs. I, I just don't understand it. That's like, that's like saying I don't have any obligation if I see a, a, a child, uh, you know, in heavy surf about to get swept out to sea. I don't have any obligation to try to prevent it. Of course you do. And, and, and of course you owe your dog and, and basically all dogs, you owe them. Uh, protection from the the things that can happen in the world that they don't understand. Well, and obviously there's a lot that they don't because the world that we've created is a complex one, long removed from, you know, the natural one that existed 20, 30,000 years ago. Bruce, I want to thank you for taking time away from your book tour and your writing to talk to us today. Uh, I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective. <laughs>